<laughs> the yoga cast. Yeah, the yoga cast. That's my next podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. The deep breathing podcast. Stoner yoga cast. It's just me breathing. With really heavily. Puffs. Yeah. ASMR. ASMR. <sighs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I love that. All right, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of Send Us Flowers. I am very excited for the guest today, Alex. You're an incredible human. I have to actually read off from my phone your accolades because she's so amazing. Um, she is the cannabis science advisor for Tikkun Olam and the president of the Medical Cannabis Student Association at the University of Baltimore and the deputy director of education at LA Normal. Is there, is there anything you. else I can add Thank to that you. list? Uh, no. I'm th- I think I'll stop there. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's and, enough. Well, and fellow podcaster fellow podcaster um yes. soon to be reinvigorated fellow podcaster i've i halted about a year ago but it's coming back I'm it's coming it back. back we yeah. love that we love reinvigorating you know past projects yeah yeah i've just had a lot of requests to bring it back through my videos for tacoon you can so. add me to those requests yeah i also request yeah you, you got it yes it's on <laughs> okay great so stay tuned for that but for right now we are going to be talking about the heavily controversial topic today of alternative slash synthetic cannabinoids now you have been posting a ton about you know what are alternative cannabinoids what are synthetic cannabinoids are they the same thing what are what's the sourcing can we trust certain brands i mean you really go in depth oh my gosh but before i get ahead of myself i'm so excited to talk about this i almost forgot i have to ask who are you sending flowers to today okay so first of all i have to send flowers to my mom i know that's really like cheesy and corny no! but my mom was a cannabis advocate um in the 90s my parents owned the largest hemp store in the nation when i was born and so my mom my mom really like gave me that scientific passion for cannabis yeah and um that stuck with me my whole life she was a medical patient i became a medical patient when i got really sick as a high schooler because she was supportive of it and so i'm just really thankful that i had that influence in my life because without that Honestly, I don't know where I'd be. I don't think I would have finished college. I don't think I would have done 90% of the stuff I've done. So I have to thank my mom because she's the OG. And then I have to thank a fellow friend of ours that actually introduced us, uh, Maha. Maha Hawk. She's the reason that I'm working with Normal. She's the reason I'm the president of the Medical Cannabis Student Association. And she was a coworker of mine when I worked at CannaSafe, which was a testing lab. Um, And, you know, she was doing a presentation for um, the Social Impact Center and doing some advocacy work in the back of the lab. And I came up to her and I said, I love what you're doing. I have to get involved. And she's pulled me in on a lot of stuff ever since then. So, you know, it's hard to find people within the industry that are that supportive and that open-minded to somebody they don't really know. Yeah. But she and I have just always clicked over our passion. And she's been so, so supportive and inspiring for me in the industry as a entrepreneurial woman who's really killing it. She's a badass. Yeah, she is. She's absolutely epic. If you have all been sticking with this podcast, Cast. Um, Maha was actually on and she talked all about her weed wedding and also sent flowers, you know, to her husband's mom. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just so cute. I love having full circle moments on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and I did want to walk it back for a second. Do you mind me asking, um, what's, are you originally from California? No. So my parents owned that store in Washington state and okay. then I actually moved to Hawaii when I was four years old. 
Really? So I grew up in Hawaii. I went to high school in Vegas, and then I went to college in Hawaii. So I spent most of my time in Hawaii, and I've been in California for almost five years now. And so what was that, what was that like being an extremely early medical patient in these different places? Well, I say I say medical. Yeah, for, for me, for you. it was very underground. My yeah. mom, however, you know, she was spending upwards of five hundred, six hundred dollars um, every year just to renew her medical uh, license in Hawaii. Wow. Um, and it, you know, she had to have several diagnoses to have that be validified by a, a doctor. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was really an upstru- uphill struggle for her. When we moved to Vegas, it was a little bit better. Um, my dad could grow several plants for her mm-hmm. there. So we had a pretty good grow in our house at any yeah. given time in Vegas. And that was really helpful. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of my cannabis use was in places that didn't allow cannabis whatsoever. And I'm pretty new to this California freedom that I have now. Right. But yeah, I almost went to jail actually for possession while I was in college um, when I was 18. Really? Yeah. Uh, I went to court for six months and I had to spend all my savings on a lawyer to make sure I didn't lose all my student loans. So it was very terrifying. Yeah. How were you caught? I was, there's this outlook on Oahu called Tantalus that's gorgeous and it overlooks all of downtown Waikiki and I just got in my car. Like I just got in my car that day and I was like, you guys, I was with all my friends from work. I was like, let's go smoke weed on Tantalus. And I was being a howly. I didn't realize that they had the cops like patrol that area after midnight regularly. Of course. And they, they three cars pulled up, trapped my car in entirely. No. They pulled me out of the car, took our bong, took it. I had a huge glass bong, like massive. Like there was no hiding what we were doing. Right. Like so, these. yes, it was bigger. It was, it was bigger. It was one of, it was like a, oh my a God. chunk. Yeah. Oh my God. I love how you're like, no, it was bigger. <laughs> um, it was worse. It was worse. Um, no, it was really cool to see the cops pull that up at court. You're like, yeah, that's yeah. my bong. <laughs> I want that back. Yeah. Did you ever get it back? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I'm lucky what I did Absolutely get. Not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I didn't go to jail. But, um, you know, a lot of people in my position probably would have gone to jail. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just terrifying and, and ridiculous. You know, I was I was using it medicinally. Um, I mean, I was with friends. But, like, I had been using it medicinally for the ailments right. that I had in high school for several years already. So it was like um ridiculous that that kind of thing could have compromised my whole career and honestly i think one of the reasons that the cops gave us a break was i i turned to all the people in my group i said we're all science majors here yeah we're all all just trying to better our future like please don't ruin our lives right and they let me drive home wow i thought they were gonna tow my car they asked me if i was high they shined the light in my eyes they said have you been smoking i said no i was high as a kite um but (laughs) Uh, yeah, they let me drive home and the way out of the outlook was like this really windy, dark path mm-hmm. that took like half an hour. And so they followed me the whole oh way my out. God. Yeah, it was insane. But I'm just really lucky I didn't get my car towed or, or go to jail because that those are very real possibilities in that situation for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't even imagine. That must have been, were you just shaking? Oh, I was so burr. Stone cold sober immediately as soon as I saw those lights, very sober. I was like, okay, I've been preparing my whole life for this. Let me just get it together real yeah. quick. And so um, with now everything you do, it must be so crazy working in weed and having all these professional titles in weed and having experienced that. Yeah. Like we've come such a long way. Yeah, especially um, – you know, growing up, I used to tell like my friends and stuff like, oh, I'd much rather smoke weed than drink alcohol or, oh, I'd much rather smoke weed than take prescription pills. Right. Um, and I had so many people tell me 
that's, you know, you can't work in science and have that attitude. You're not going to have a professional career in any capacity if you live like that. You can't be a stoner. And and I mean, like most of the jobs in science, they drug test. Yeah. I can't do most most jobs in science because I use cannabis medicinally. Right. So it's been really limiting for me. And that's why I really fell into the industry so hard was I was like, okay, I can be accepted here for everything that I am. Yes. A stoner and a nerd. And so you went to University of Maryland for the program, correct? For the cannabis program? Yeah. 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 And I I say that because I went to University of Mar- mm-hmm. Maryland, but I did not go. I went for my own private personal cannabis program, but there was definitely not one when I was there like on an official level. <laughs> what was your what was your major? Um communications and a minor in journalism. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So well, um, it was fun and I loved it. But, like, to see where it is now Mm -hmm. and that people can actually get a degree in that is really cool. And I actually just got news from – I have an alumni liaison through my student association who works closely with the School of Pharmacy. And she let me know that we are actually the largest graduate program in the School of Pharmacy at the University of Maryland. What? And the University of Maryland is, like, number 13 in the U.S. for School of Pharmacy. So we are absolutely dominating that school in terms of funding, in terms of, you know, appeal. Yeah, I got chills too when she told me. I felt the exact same way. I was like, no way. We're absolutely making a huge impact here. And, you know, Maha did the program um, the first mm-hmm. year that it was out. And I think her graduating class was like 150 people. Mine is like 350 and it's only getting bigger. Wow. So the draw for cannabis education is absolutely huge. Yeah. And I went into it because I wanted to see what is the status of higher education for cannabis, pun intended. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so what drew you to the program itself? Like, how do you even find out about it? And I'm I'm sorry, could you also speak a little bit toward what the program is just for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah, of course. So Maha told me I absolutely have to do it. She like pushed it on me for about a year before I applied. Um, She knew it was like the perfect thing for me, but it's a pharmacology degree. Um, So it's based around the pharmacokinetics and the pharmacodynamics of cannabis. So how your body um, receives the drug and processes the drug and what it does in terms of the biochemistry within your brain and within your body. Um, So it is a program that is open to anyone with any background. You don't have to have a science background to go into the program. Interesting. Um, So they make it very accessible. That is very accessible. For me, in terms of someone who does come from science, it has been a little lackluster in that regard because I, you know, want more and more and more. Yeah. But they do provide you with some extra resources that you can use to dive a little bit deeper. And then that's why I really am passionate about the student association is we hold monthly events um, that supplement that as well. So I get speakers and the people that I work with get speakers from the industry that are influential. Like we had um, Guy Rocourt from Papa and Barkley that's on. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, we work with Debbie Tregai from ASA. Americans for Safe Access quite a bit. Okay. Um, she's a big name too. Um, this month I'm having Dr. Amber Wise, who is the chair-elect of the um, American Chemical Society Cannabis Chemistry Subdivision. And she also runs a uh, analytical lab in Washington State. So we're going to talk about cannabis testing, which is a big passion of mine. Um, yeah, we just have a lot of big names come through and I've made some really good connections with people uh, it's a good excuse for me to get in touch with those people and also provide, you know, right. extra exposure to our students. I love that. And would you recommend this to people who are, you know, what what, what place in life would you recommend this program to? Um, that question makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, what position in life? Well, it is something that you can work into working a full-time job. So mm-hmm. last year I had three jobs and yeah. I did it still. And I ran the student association. So Wow. It's possible. I am in extreme burnout now. 
but <laughs> it is possible. Um, they make it very accessible in that way. It is completely virtual. Okay. You do have to travel to Maryland twice a year for symposia. Okay. So you have to have the funds for travel. Um, they don't account that into like your financial aid Got and it. stuff like that. Okay, so that is good to know. That is, that is the toughest part, I would say. Um, but it's worth it. The symposia is pretty worth it because they bring in, you know, speakers that are relevant to the industry. Of course. Um, position in life, if you're really passionate about cannabis and you really want to have a degree that's specific to it under your name that is well accredited from, you know, a reputable school, mm-hmm. I would say it's the program for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the financial concerns, I think, are probably the biggest for sure. obstacles because it's a master's program. It's, yeah. not, it's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that this is something that eventually people would be able to take to their jobs, especially if they are already in cannabis and say, hey, this would help further along what I'm doing here? Yeah, I think that it gives you, um, well, like, for instance, the main capstone project that's part of the program is um, around designing an educational intervention or an educational program for a company. So what? yeah, so th- no way. My video is right now for Takoon. That's why I'm kind of building them out is because I'm building like a full educational program right. around them. Um, so oh, thank you. That's for you, by the way. Love that. I figured I'd do it for you while yeah, you were talking. I, I really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so yeah, um, I a lot of the people that are in the program because it's a school pharmacy program mm-hmm. are um, pharmacists or clinicians, and they're using that to. Um, make themselves a authority basically within their own field on cannabis medicine. Wow. So that's the main appeal that I see. But, um, you know, it really depends. Like I know a lot of people that are straight out of college too, that are in the program that are working at dispensaries that just want to have that, that edge up in the industry. Yeah. I think it's definitely, I definitely agree that it's an edge because we need more education deeply like (laughs) deeply we need more educated consumers we need more educated bud tenders I mean the things that I've seen recently in dispensaries even here in LA like are just appalling to be honest and I think that more people can just so benefit by having more knowledge around the plant yeah Definitely. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot of misinformation mm-hmm. around cannabis. Yeah. Some of it is has good intentions. You know, there's a lot of people that don't talk about the potential negative side effects of cannabis because we've been working so hard to remove oh that God. stigma. Yeah. And I respect that. You know, that's been me and my family for many years. It's like, mm-hmm. why should we talk about the negatives when there's so many other substances out there that are so much more deleterious to our health that Absolutely. we use on a daily basis? So I understand the the bias that some people have towards all the positives, but it's also important that we keep in mind safety when we talk about consumers because there's, I mean, especially with these synthetics coming out that we're going to talk about, we've been seeing more and more overdoses, more and more people having really adverse reactions Mm -hmm. or children accidentally consuming because labeling and um, product safety isn't held to a high standard. Yes. Oh my God. And so I was... um I was in Tennessee and, you know, ever since 2018, so the only reason we can even have this conversation, by the way, is because of the 2018 farm bill. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, a lot of, you know, we had the CBD boom, like that was crazy. (laughs) And there were so many people, you know, selling like snake oil, essentially. And there were trustworthy brands for sure. Like CBD has helped me in my life. Absolutely. But it got to a point where I was like, some of this stuff is completely fake. I don't know what is in these products. And I don't know how it's affecting my body. Yeah. We're in the exact same situation now. It's it's just a continuation 
of that 2018 farm mm-hmm. bill surplus in hemp. And we've got these people that have all this hemp and they're like, what are we going to do with this? We got to turn a profit. Right. And so they're finding ways to turn it into intoxicating substances. Yes. And so I was in, where was I recently? Nashville. And it's Tennessee is still illegal. Okay. And so I was walking around the streets of Nashville and I see just, you know, those six foot pop-up tables lining the streets covered in products that were like HHC. THCO, um, Delta 8. And then there was this like mysteriously labeled Delta 9, mm-hmm. but it was like not hemp derived. It, it, like, I'm nine. like, what even is yeah. that? Like, that's just not anything. <laughs> like, I'm so confused. And then I'm like, I should know more about this. Like, is this safe to have? Who are these people? Like, yeah. where did this even come from? And so, you know, I did talk to those people. I did purchase some of the products and, like, tried some of them. But, I mean, they had, like, vapes. They had mm-hmm. edibles. And I really – the vape, I was like, you know what? I'm actually not going to use that. That freaks me out. But I did try one of the joints that I think was the THCO joint. And, I mean, it tasted like weed. But it didn't affect me like weed. Yeah. And it was very, I've just felt scared even smoking it. I was like, yeah. am I gonna, am I gonna die? Like, <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, is kind of dramatic and crazy that I would inhale a substance that I'm then like, is this gonna kill me? But there is also this ounce of like, I, of wonder. Mm-hmm. And I am someone who's like, okay, well, I'm going to try that and let other right. people know what's good. Cause I'm always kind of in this discovery process, especially with weed. But like, this is mysterious to the point where I'm like, should we be using this? Yeah. I have a lot of very strong feelings about this topic. Well, and so sure. let's start. <laughs> what are some of these feelings? Like, tell me about it. Is first off, are these substances that we can trust? So where do I, they come from? I had the exact same wonder as you. Um, the first time I ever saw these products was at the CBD Expo at the LAX Hilton like a year and a half ago. And I had just I had left cannabis actually to work in cancer research after I worked at the testing lab. Got it. And because I was done. Like it was so corrupt. But yeah. anyway. I went to this expo and all the vendors were like 3Chi and like Koi and like all these big synthetic cannabinoid companies. And they were handing out stuff like you were saying, like candy. And every every table I went up to, I said, this is really interesting. This isn't, you know, like this was not a cannabinoid on the panel I used to test for when I worked at the lab. And so I was like, what is this? Do you have a C of A? And some of them would just flat out tell me no. And some of them would give me a QR code. And right. I'd scan the QR code, it go to their website, and it's just more ads. There's no lab results anywhere. Absolutely. Oh, my God. And then sometimes they'll have a lab result, but if it's a C of A, it's, it's a hemp product. So it's only vetted for cannabinoids. That's it. It's not vetted for any of the chemicals that are used in the manufacturing of the synthetic cannabinoids, nor is it vetted for the, um, the side products of these reactions, which can be other cannabinoids that we don't really know the effects of as well, that don't exist naturally in the plant. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, there's a really good paper about this, and I'm very thankful. Um, I got involved with the American Chemical Society through a friend of mine named Kyle Boyer. Okay. He's a researcher. He used to work at UCSD in, mm-hmm. their, in their cannabis research department. Um, yeah. But he introduced me to a, a guy named Mark Scaldone at the American Chemical Society um, conference in San Diego. 
And he was showing me a, a draft of a paper he was putting together. And that paper came out like three months ago, mm-hmm. something like that. It's called The Dark Side of Cannabidiol. And it's about how these people have been using these um, – it's basically a type of ring closure reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it refers to – it's kind of the same phenomenon that we think about when what's the difference between Delta-8 and Delta-9. Yeah. So the difference between Delta-8 and Delta-9 is the position of the double bond on the benzene ring. Okay. Um, it depends on which carbons it's between. So that number indicates its position. Got it. Um, and that change occurs through some very concerning steps uh, in the patent. And this is public information. You can Google this. All you, do have, all you have to do is look up Delta 8 to Delta 9 conversion patent, and but it'll show you. But people don't even notice. I would never know to search that. Or Delta 9 to Delta 8, I should say. You know what I mean, conversion though? Patent. Like, there, I feel like the not, like. For me, I will admit, I would never know to search that. Like, I've I've, I've um, asked, like, you know, what is Delta-8? Or, mm-hmm. like, how does it, you know, become mm-hmm. something I can consume? But I've never figured out that there's even, like, a patent behind it or yeah. something. Like, it's just so – how would people know this? Um, you know, that's what really makes me upset. So before I worked in cannabis testing, I worked in education. Mm-hmm. I was a high school teacher. Okay. And, you know, before that, I'd gone through academia and I'd noticed that through all of this, there's paywalls for education. There's always someone profiting off of education. Absolutely. And it makes me really upset that good education isn't being shared, that these scientific principles aren't being disseminated to the layman. Right. Because there's this hierarchy and there's this, um, you know, years of wealth accumulated in certain families that only certain people have gotten a college education like I have. You know what totally. I mean? And I feel very, very lucky that I know that that's how, you know, with science, it, that kind of stuff is usually public. Yeah. But I want to make that kind of stuff easily accessible to people. I have no doubt that people can look up these patents and understand what they're reading. Yeah. It does. It's not that hard. We have Google now. You can literally Google every single Absolutely. word in the patent. So mm-hmm. why not give people access to what you're doing? As companies, why are we not getting transparency from these companies about what they're doing? Well, you know why you're not getting transparency. Because they know that the risk-benefit analysis of their products is not good. Exactly. And and just so um, for anyone who's listening that may not know, what is a C of A? Oh, a certificate of analysis. Sorry. Um, no, that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, so certificate of analysis is just um, a verified piece of paper that comes from the testing lab that goes over the all the required tests of whatever state you're in. So right now it's state by state, which is another issue I have. But yeah, the so they show a good snippet of it on the side this there. This is technically not the... So I'm sh- just for all of my audio listeners, I'm holding up... Um, this is a very pretty jar of cream of, cream of crop, cream of the crop. Um, it's a flower brand. I, I enjoy it. I liked it because, uh, I don't know. It's a decent quantity, decent quality for a good price. And it claims 4% terpenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has, you know, in a legal state, you'll see this C of A, but you're right. It is completely different state by state. Yep. And so what you'll see here is not what you'll see everywhere else. Right. Um, for instance, in California, terpenes actually aren't required. So they're choosing to advertise their terpenes. In Nevada, every product has terpenes. That is required. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. But usually there's the, the basic safety mm-hmm. ones, um, which I don't know if you want me to get into that. I do that enough. <laughs> with what are the safety videos. ones? The safety ones, the really big ones, are pesticides, okay. he- heavy metals, 
Residual solvents, which depends on the product. You really only test for residual solvents in um, products that have touched manufacturing machinery that might be cleaned by a solvent. Got it. Or concentrates, which utilize solvents for that extraction. Yeah. Um, but residual solvents, heavy metals, pesticides, um, mycotoxins, and uh, bacteria. Mm -hmm. Those two are really important. Microbes. Microbes and mycotoxins. Okay. And then, um, man, I'm high now from this joint. You <laughs> got like, me good. I'm like, hey, talk about science stuff okay. now that you're baked. <laughs> I got I to gotta get into this Capri Sun right now because yeah. the cotton mouth is considerable. I know. Um, I'm like, come on and say Jesus. a bunch of really big words as I smoke this you out. This is my favorite thing to do. This is, my, this is what I do. Um, this is, by the way, this is what my podcast is like. We just get this real high and then try to talk about like the most complicated thing possible. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Oh my God. That's so good. Very refreshing, right? Oh, I haven't had one of those in years. I know. They're okay. pretty, I, I, <laughs> look, I honestly, I can't take credit for picking those out. Also, my leg is, to I was like sitting on it cross-legged so it's totally asleep. I cannot feel my left not leg. Consider or not, <laughs> you can't do that. It's just not sustainable. That was the I don't know why I thought that was a good way to sit. I was comfortable for a minute um okay but yeah the capri suns are very refreshing so and to walk it back when you say safety um what exactly do you mean by that like the listings that you were reading off like for like the safety testing so like potency and terpenes i don't really consider those to be like safety tests i'm right. I, this is totally just me spitballing right now this is not science i don't i don't really consider those like the necessary safety tests mm -hmm. But those are like the only tests that are going to show up for the synthetic and hemp products. Got it. So that's okay. kind of the, it's the weird dichotomy that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That exists right now. So like you don't test for heavy metals, pesticides, residual solvents, or um, fold or mold or bacteria, man, I'm high, um, for <laughs> synthetic products. So that's messed up. That's not okay. Yeah. And um, yeah. So are there any brands that do create these products that you have tried and that you do trust? No. <laughs> not a single what? one. Um, I actually knew the owners of one of the bigger ones. Uh, and this guy and I were talking for a while. And mm -hmm. I told him, hey, man, you guys have a great company. It's huge. You're doing great. Yeah. But your C of A's look like shit. Like, you really need to fix that. Like, it's not going to – that's not – nobody's going to believe that. Right. Or like that. Yeah. Um, all he had was uh, cannabinoids, and some of the peaks were, like, mislabeled or, li like – I just saw the weirdest stuff. Like, he would put, like, D10 THC under two peaks, and, like, that's not how it works. One yeah. peak is one thing. Okay, wait. The other peak is the other thing. So I've like, seen things labeled really weirdly yeah. like that, and I have not been able – I'm like, do I just not know what I'm doing, or is this incorrect? I want to like, teach people how to read chromatograms because it's not that hard. Okay. Basically, you got X and Y axis, right? Yeah. Like any other graph. What's a chromatogram? A chromatogram is what comes out of an HPLC. Okay. HPLC, LCMS. which is Which is the um, chemical, like – machine that they use to it's utilizing chromatography Got so it. have you ever like put a black sharpie on a coffee filter with a solvent of some kind like a water or an alcohol have you no, ever seen that test but that sounds cool it breaks it into all the colors what and the reason that it breaks it into sounds all the sick. colors is because all the different colors are different polarities so it's utilizing a physiochemical property uh -huh. of the pigment basically, to pull it apart from all the other ones. And that's exactly the same thing that we're doing on HPLC. It's a high-performance liquid chromatography instrument. 
So instead of having the filter paper, you have a column that's packed with silicone. And that silicone is set up in a way that when you run cannabinoids dissolved in a solvent, which is usually methanol, through methanol or ACN, mm -hmm. um, through that column, it'll break up the cannabinoids. They'll elute at different times, basically, is what it's called. So eluting is how it breaks off into the column or the filter paper. Yeah. So like, say yellow comes first and then orange and then I'm making this up. I don't know what colors come out in what direction because I don't know their polarities, but uh, purple, right? So like orange comes out in like two seconds. Yellow comes out in like five seconds. That's their elution time. Got it. Same thing with cannabinoids. All you do is you have a standard of cannabinoids, which is mm -hmm. like a chemically known identified cannabinoid from a chemical manufacturer. So it's like been vetted to know that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And you dilute that in a serial dilution to set up what's called a calibration curve. And that gives you an idea of how what it looks like in elution order, what it's going to look like on the chromatogram. And then basically it just matches it with what you run as the sample. So I get Joe's weed from Joe's dispensary, right? Mm -hmm. And I put it in my solvent. I run it on the chromatogram or the um, HPLC. And I get out a chromatogram that tells me the order of those cannabinoids based ah. on based on the reference I've already imported okay. into the HPLC. We're getting there. I hope this is making sense. We I'm got, really I, trying. I, you almost, I was lost for a moment, okay. but we're back. <laughs> Basically, you have a reference for your elution order of the different cannabinoids. Then yes. you load on your sample and it tells you, hey, this cannabinoid's right here. This mm -hmm. is it. And how high the peak is. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, over that time period right. indicates how much of that cannabinoid is there. And you can calculate that based on that calibration curve. Wow. Okay. So that's how you quantify cannabinoids huh. from a sample. Okay. I really like the goal of teaching people how to read those. So all you have to do is know where the peak is, where it's supposed to be based on their relative elution order. Okay. And then... Just know how to look at which peak is bigger, basically. I mean, you you can kind of eyeball what's mm -hmm. going to be the dominant cannabinoid based on its location right. on the x-axis. Huh. So if, if for instance, I looked at another um, chromatogram for a synthetic product that was advertised as a mm -hmm. D10 cart, and the highest peak was D8. So it had more D8 in it than D10. Wow. And they even reported that in the text below. They even said they admitted it. And, and that's their C of A for a D10 cart. That's so wild. So it's not that hard to find the inconsistencies mm -hmm. in these products. That's crazy. And so do you think also the testing is actually, like, legitimate? It's a funny question. That's a really good question. Um, lab shopping is very real. Yeah. Lab okay, shopping um, is a real thing. Sorry, so what is, what is lab shopping, just for so, anyone who doesn't know? Lab shopping is when cannabis companies don't like the potency results that they get um, from one lab. And so they say, hey, if you don't change our numbers to what it's supposed to be, we're going to go to your competitor and yeah. they're going to do it for us. And so several times when I, I worked in potency at both the labs I worked at, and several times I was pressured to falsify data. And then I, I thankfully I didn't work in like pesticides or heavy right. metals, but I would hear in those because some of these companies can't afford to lose no. They can't afford to lose that batch, you know? No. And the testing companies, it costs so much to run those testing companies. 
that when you lose clients oh it's over it can shut out your lights can be turned off like that's your rent both of the labs i worked at lost their licenses wow that's just how it goes that's so insane. And it's very normalized. You can lose your license any day of the week as a testing lab. You never know when the uh, DCC is going to come knocking mm-hmm. on your door and come inspect you. Yeah. And most labs are not up to spec at any given time. Not the ones I've been But, the, <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's a lot of work. There's a lot of large government agencies that are trying to figure out how to standardize this testing nationwide right, right now. And it's it's a race to figure out who's gonna who's gonna figure it out. But the worst part is, once again, that hierarchy between education and and wealth mm-hmm. and people who work in the industry right now. Yeah. The people that are on the ground right now are not being listened to by academics. Yeah. As much as they need to be. I feel like there's a huge disconnect there of like what is actually happening and what people are asking for but that's a whole other conversation then of like just some things I think about like the in like cannabis as an industry Mm -hmm. and so I don't know you know there's so many people who say that everyone has the same goal in weed and I don't actually believe that anymore like almost at all I think there's people who have like 19 different goals and I don't think it's always for it to be like legalized or decriminalized or like even oh god forbid we fucking free people from jail god fucking forbid (laughs) but like you now have shareholders you now have boards Mm -hmm. you now have you know people that come before the consumer and the business is not structured around the consumer as it should be like in the in the most perfect world you know people would listen to the consumer they would do what the consumer needs and bring value to them in a completely like genuine way Mm -hmm. and that would increase sales to then increase like shareholder value to then increase board members um salaries yeah (laughs) i feel like it actually goes the opposite way definitely and so i like as soon as i started to see those hierarchies and how that worked and seeing how you know in places i've worked and that friends have worked in how corrupt it can get Mm -hmm. it's really hard to trust that we have the same intention i yeah i couldn't agree with you more there's so many <laughs> bad intentions in this industry. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's kind of a money grab because it's a brand new industry. And For sure. It's such a, a scandalous one. Such a, a you know, it's so e- easily put into the media in a way that people really want to talk about because it's been a taboo topic for many years. But we all know that it was legal in the 30s. I mean, 100 years ago. Until 1937. 37. Yep. Less than 100 years ago, it was legal. So there's people still alive today that know <laughs> that it's not that big of a deal and it's not going to destroy society if it's yeah. legal. The government used to literally pay people to grow hemp. Mm-hmm. Like there were government subsidies yeah. for hemp. There was tons of research. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were things that were happening for for decades, hundreds of years. I mean, there's like thousands of years old uh discoveries being made of people utilizing cannabis Mm -hmm. to some extent Mm -hmm. they don't know what but they find tools that people could have been like smoking it out of or used in cooking or whatever 
And so I just think that the place that we're in as an industry, a business, from that standpoint, it's really messy. And there's so much room for people to come in and sell products that aren't 100% and that are mystery materials Mm -hmm. and that aren't things that might be like of you know actual value to you and your body like these are mm-hmm. things we're inhaling yeah the we're so- eating them i mean there is a solution it's just education and we don't prioritize that in this country i learned that the hard way as a teacher for well, sure that's like because it's- you can get away with more with an uneducated audience mm-hmm. and then there's the whole mindset then too like people are like oh well like if the odd aud- if there's an audience for it then I should do it. Like there are people I, okay. So for example, I have a cousin, I have a cousin from Georgia and over the holidays, you know, our family was the most um, supportive and open to weed consumption they've ever been. And it was actually the nicest holiday season ever. It was so cool. But, um, they're from Georgia, and they were showing me, like, these gummies they got at a gas station. And I was like, no, like, don't use that. And they were like, oh, well, like, it's at a gas station. I can buy it now. You know, like, it's this it's this thing oh. in people's mind where they're like, oh, this is something accessible that I can purchase. It's, like, close to weed, and it's legal, and it's here in this place that I can buy these other things at. (laughs) So it must be something that, like, you know, isn't going to affect me negatively. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's just not the case. Yeah. um, There is government oversight to things like that, but it's very minimal. Um, I used to work in cosmetics as well. And actually, really, yeah. What did you do in cosmetics? Um, so I did social media for a woman. Like this was in my past life. Um, (laughs) I like literally used to do fashion influencing. Oh, that's so cool. But I realized how unsustainable all of it was, Mm. and like kind of the back end of a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And I really just didn't want to continue um promoting that. Yeah, I didn't really believe in it anymore. Yeah. No, and it's it's very corrupt. Yeah. Cosmetics. And so there's ways to do it. I've been thinking about recently. This is so off topic <laughs> that are like sustain- sustainable yeah. and like, you know, the thrifting halls, like things like that. Mm-hmm, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. OK, this is much more of a vibe. But anyway, um, with cosmetics, I also saw just like how much of it is white labeled mm-hmm. and marked up. And, you know, a lot of the ingredients aren't really like. Yeah. They call they use different names for different things if you can like chemically tweak <laughs> it this way. Yep. And then it still is the thing that's terrible for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just you really see behind the curtain. It's the whole Wizard of Oz moment and you're like, <laughs> "What?" Yeah, so I was a cosmetic chemist. Um, no way. I was an in process um chemist. Like? It was awful. It was the worst <laughs> job I've ever had. And I've been a server at chains. It was worse. It was terrible. It was factory setting. It was in Chatsworth, um, so it was not a good area, really. So you've seen behind the scenes of a lot of different industries. But yeah, um, so that lab, the point, the point, here, here we go, here we go. Um, that lab was an F- a lab that was overseen by the FDA, technically. Mm, yeah. And I worked there for a little bit over, like maybe eight months, and never saw anything like that. And the standards there were worse than any cannabis lab I'd ever worked in. And yeah, all we were doing was adding silicone and salt to things all the time. 
And I was making everything from, oh man, I don't know if I should say this actually. I probably shouldn't say what brands I worked for. But basically everything you can Everyone's buy be like, at Walmart. Tell me! From everything from you can buy what you can buy at Walmart to like even some really, really nice brands that I was surprised by. Like there was one brand that we sold that my boss told me it was it was a tube, an opaque tube, so you couldn't see what was in it. But it was literally aloe vera gel. It was that was the only ingredient. It was aloe vera gel. And they sold it for like $80 a tube. Because it was from this brand. That was so fancy. Was it like a special aloe? Was it grown somewhere? It was literally the exact same. I mean, I did all the raw in- raw material yeah. intake, so it was literally the exact same aloe that we used in like the cheapest ones that we made. Cool. So everyone's just going to walk away from this episode having like the worst trust issues. They're going to be like staring at stuff in their bathroom, like all their weed shit. They're going to be like, what am I doing? Question everything. Yeah, seriously. That was the conversation we were having earlier. Question everything. Sometimes I really feel like I'm a part of the um, tinfoil hat community, but. No, it's it's just science. it all comes back to that. And that's why I really love that you've been on. Love. <laughs> Thanks for letting me get you and myself super stoned and talk about this cool stuff. Yeah. Um, a few more questions before I walk us off. Um, what do you think of Delta 8 and these synthetic alternative cannabinoids uh, and drug testing? Most of them will still make you pop. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you're safe from any drug testing from taking alternative cannabinoids. They are, you know, different molecules, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say drug tests are sensitive enough to discern between most of those molecules. Yeah. But overall, I would just say it's not worth risking your health to consume these products because yeah. they're not being vetted for some really toxic chemicals that are being used in the conversion. I implore everyone to look up the patent and read for themselves what chemicals are going into these products and then realize that no one is holding these companies to a standard to make sure that those have been removed from what they're consuming. Yeah, it's really – there is, like, zero consumer oversight. Yeah. Like, almost negative, actually. There's people, I feel like, who work to create, like, more misinformation about it. Yeah, um, it's a lot of advertising, and I see a lot of my friends get pulled into it. A lot of people in yeah. the industry that you know are trying to do like marketer influencing, and mm-hmm. they don't they don't realize that what they're promoting is really toxic. Oh, um, I or potentially with, really toxic. With the amount of brands that have now reached out to me for various products, I could probably be clearing five to ten k at least a yeah. month in deals. Yeah. I don't, yeah, they're pushing, I don't even ans- I don't even open the messages at this point. It's the, mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna sell it to kids and they're gonna push it hard. Yeah. And it's already here. It's just really sad that you can get it for free so easily. Like I walked into that walked out of that first expo I went to with like bags of it. I just collected it because I wanted to give it to my friends who still work in testing mm-hmm. to check them out. Oh my god, were you <laughs> yeah. able to do that? So the thing is, testing labs don't test for a lot of the things that are contaminating these products. So even See, if even, we were sending them wow. through to get C of A's right now, we wouldn't really know if they're contaminated with the things that we're worried about them being contaminated with. Yeah. So there's a lot that we need to do to address these products. This is the very beginning of this issue. What do sure. you think about the uh, FDA now coming in and potentially, you know, making rulings and policy around... I've, I've seen the FDA do 
presentations at ACS Mm -hmm. on um, what they're going to do for cannabis testing and their standardized method that they want to do. Got it. And I've done it, and it's not the best method. Really? And that's what I'm saying with the disconnect between the industry and the big, the three-letter organizations mm-hmm. in academia is they haven't been doing all this product testing that people on, on the, the ground floor have been. Right. You know, there's a lot of R&D that goes into what's the best way to extract cannabinoids from chocolate? That is yeah, really wow. hard. Huh. Like really hard. Um, gummies. It can be really tough too, depending on what it's formulated with. So mm. um, yeah, there's a lot of things to be considered on the back end of, of the testing side too that still needs to be standardized and developed. What do you think then closes that gap ultimately? Funding. You know, these testing labs right now are really running a lot of the, re- the research on yeah. this front. Um, huh. And they're, they're struggling really hard because of lab shopping, because of racing to the bottom, because of you know, the DCC coming in and mm-hmm. some, some of the regulations, especially in this state, are written vaguely and in a way yeah. that you could you could very easily, you know, mess up and not realize it. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also just labs that are just flying by the seat of their pants and like aren't being operated by scientists. They're being operated by like lawyers. And yeah. I've seen all kinds of weird stuff like that. Huh. So do you think that there are places, especially for lab testing, that have proven to be trustworthy, in your opinion? Um, man, this really makes me think. This is a hard question. Uh, <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> I mean... SC Labs is really the one that's been killing it since the beginning. Okay. I have to give them props, especially for um, their uh, – they have a new, like, classification system called Phytofax that's mm. really comprehensive to the chemovar yeah. of the plant. I really appreciate that because it makes things easily accessible to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they've just – they've been around for a long time. Yeah. So SC Labs is really, like, the old school – the this, the tried and true one that's always been around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. So check out for products that have testing from SC Labs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to do an ad, but. No, I is. mean, but that's the thing, though, is I feel like also in weed, it's so word of mouth. Like, mm-hmm. that is why ultimately, like, reviewers and, like, influencers and content creators kind of exist is because there are so many things out there and those are the people who like you know weren't always influencers at first they just tried a lot of stuff yeah and then shared those things with people who cared about that those things and then but then of course like anything it became extremely capitalized Mm -hmm. on almost immediately yeah and people can pay for reviews and pay people to promote things and whatnot. And that's the world we're in now. Like, if you've seen any YouTube video, I mean, you watch a Mr. Beast video, and then at the end, it's like, sponsored by Visa. And it's like, holy shit, yeah. everything is an ad. Um, but yeah, like, that's how it ultimately began. And so I feel like there is just a need for people to be able to talk about these things and say what is worthwhile, even if it does sound like an ad, like now people know what's up and they can go and search for products that have been tested by people that are trusted and hopefully find things that better work for them. Yeah. I hope people can tell by my pause that I am not paid by SC Labs (laughs) to say that. Um, I'm just trying to be, trying to keep it real. Oh, uh, so funny. Um, okay, and then uh, that leads me to asking, 
Do you have anything in your bag that you want to share? Any other products that you do like and trust? Um, brands that you think do well by their consumers? Um, my favorite brands, and this goes back to their inception. Okay. And that, I think that's why I like them so much is mm-hmm. they've always been about medicinal quality products is Pop and Barkley and Mary's Medicinals. Oh, okay. I love both of those companies for what they make. They make things that are for pain, things that are for oh my God, yes. medicinal issues. So yeah, Papa and Barkley is amazing. I love that they're all about, you know, solventless extracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just a good team. They're just good people. So yeah. um, I do like that. I'm trying to think. I've always really liked Raw Garden. Mm-hmm. Raw Garden makes some incredibly terpy stuff. And when I worked at the lab, they would send in diamonds that were like almost a full gram like 0.9 gram diamonds and I was like yo okay you're like hi um but yeah I'm just such a big rosin snob now and the more that I get into the into the industry I the more I kind of trust my friends to make me rosin yeah okay I get a lot of the rosin in my in my carta bag or um from friends of mine yeah you know those two gram jars with the twist tops I do know (laughs) I um do not have a, a good homie hookup for that. I really want to get my own rosin press because I do have a lot mm-hmm. of flour. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I can just apply some pressure, yeah. like, yeah. why not? I so. also want to say flour-wise, mm-hmm. cannabiotics oh, is killing it. Obsessed. Like, I don't know what they're doing over there. <laughs> I'd love to go to whatever Magic. their grow situation mm-hmm. is. Like... Shout out to you all. They, I had this white sage strain yes. from memory. Do yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Ugh, I think I still have like a little nug left. It's I wish so I had brought it. It was amazing. That jar just like, I just want to live inside that jar. It's the smell, the smoke, mm-hmm. even the feel of it, the way that like you can break it up. It's just perfect. Yeah. Everything about it. Yep. Even the, and the package dates were super fresh. I was I know like, it's quality. Hey. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, they're killing it. Absolutely killing it. Um, okay, so uh, before we go then, one last thing. I know that you've talked a lot about, you know, medical markets and medical use. I'm curious what your opinion is currently on the distinctions between adult use markets, rec markets, and medical markets. Um and where you think we can go from here in a way that's, like, productive to both patients mm-hmm. and, you know, recre- like, let's call it, like, recreational users. And then right. they're also both, like, I would definitely call myself both. Yeah. If that makes sense. What would you say is the difference between adult use and recreational? Nothing. Like I prefer honest, to say to be honest, it's like optics to me. Yes. Like it's marketing. Yes. I think they both kind of are the same thing. Yes. But I like I like saying adult use. Yeah, me too. Um I feel like it sets it apart from uh like children looking mm-hmm, at it mm-hmm. in a certain way. Which is important because when you think about flavored nicotine and how much that's impacted young people, mm-hmm. it's important that yeah. we put the emphasis on the fact that it should be for people that are adults. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that that's a really big um I think that's a really big component of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think there should still be a distinction of a medical market because the dosing is super different. Yes. Um, There's just different needs. 
people with medical usage are just going to go through it faster. Mm -hmm. They need higher quantities. They need certain strains. Like, yep. there needs to be more specific, um, you know, like, like I look for certain terpenes now. Like, mm -hmm. I love I look for um, osamine. Mm -hmm. And there's really very few strains that even yeah. have that. That's and right. I, when I did have one and found it and found that that was the terp it was, I was like, mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. this is the thing that yep. I need. It's the power of knowledge. It's the yes. power of testing. It can you ch have change your life. That before. Changes your life. It's then so you, cool. If you are using it for medical indications, you can literally begin to predict what you're buying. And I, I even, I, I don't use strain names. Actually, my video this week from Takuna is about that. Really? Um, I don't depend on strain names because genetically, they're not really that well maintained. There's mm -hmm. no, there's no guarantee <laughs> that runts is runts. There's no right. guarantee, like literally, like well, you have to have like a pedigree to know that. And yeah. there's no public information about that. Like that's, uh -uh. it's not. You can't find that yourself. So I trust the C of A. I trust the Chemobar, mm -hmm. and I trust what the chemical constituents are because then. Every time I'm consuming something, I know that it's going to give me at least similar effects to what I tried last time because right. it's a similar composition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it, it's crazy what we can know now versus before when it was like, here is a bag mm -hmm. of weed. Yeah. And that's just, you get that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cool, thanks. And I feel like it should be <laughs> like a nutrition label where everybody gets access to that. Yes. You know? Oh, my God. That would be so cool to have a standardized like nutrition mm -hmm. label in every state yep that is obvious it's, it's what we like, need that's the goal it's <laughs> what we need man <laughs> like, yeah. that's low-key what i've been saying this entire episode <laughs> but sure <laughs> it's a vibe it took me a little bit to come around to that is like the translation of what that is essentially just a nutrition yeah. label yeah i think you know people don't think about cannabis as something that could have nutrition to it so it's totally but if you're a medical patient, you know damn well mm -hmm. the osamine is what you want from yeah. the weed. Yes. So, yeah, I, I definitely think there should be distinctions there. And I do believe that we should rely on medical – I'm sorry, adult use rather than mm -hmm. rec. But I definitely – I do want to step back and say I do agree we need to have a distinction for medical cannabis. And I think that it should be held to a higher standard. And I think that it should be covered under insurance. Yes. And, Yeah. I think that it should be a totally different world because when I moved to California, I got really sick mm -hmm. at the same same exact time. I got shingles and then I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease and I was bed bound for like eight months. Wow. And I was going to medical dispensaries for the first time in my life mm -hmm. and finding like indica capsules that were like 100 milligram that I could take at night instead of um, the uh, benzodiazepines they wanted me to take. Mm -hmm. And it was so much better. It. I don't know what I would have done without that. Yeah. Fast forward two, three years later, those shops don't exist anymore. I can't get mm -hmm. that kind of stuff because it's too high of a dose. Yeah. But. It's crazy yeah. that you have to, re like, I think the only things now that can um, get past those edible rules mm -hmm. are tinctures mm -hmm. um, and soft gels. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand milligrams is it. the cap on yeah. those. So I buy Mary's Medicinal Tincture, mm -hmm. thousand milligram THC. Okay, um, that's one of my favorite products. I hope yeah. it never goes away. I love tinctures. Um, the crazy part is beverages are being turned into tinctures. That is um, wild. with just little like you know segmented yeah. things on the side, mm -hmm. and they're getting away with that. And they are. I love it. 
I'm okay Honestly. with it. <laughs> yeah. I per- I, like, I keep do, it, please. There are some beverages I've really enjoyed trying, mm-hmm. and I think that there are some people getting it right or very close to getting it yeah. right. And I'm like, I support you enough that like this isn't totally it, but I, but keep trying. Yeah, <laughs> and dude. I'm sure you shout out there. to Uncle Arnie's. Have you had Uncle Arnie's no. lemonade? It's wait, wait. I little glass bottle, hundred megs, yeah, trippy yeah, yeah. colors. Mm-hmm. So good. They just came out. This is total. I don't know if this is okay or not, but they just came out with like a five hour energy shot version. That's a hundred megs <laughs> of oh, THC shit. and like a hundred and twenty megs of caffeine. Yes. And I want it. <laughs> I actually bought one at MedMen okay. in Venice. Mm-hmm. No, I have no idea. Where was I? Yeah, Venice. And um, my friend accidentally took it back with him to the East Coast, so I don't have it. But he won't. Ooh. He's like a lightweight, so he's not going to take it. I'm like waiting to get it back. From yeah. Him. Like, like, I need this just, in my life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds. That does sound. I want to try it. But yeah, is that. That was yerba mate, and uh, it was like 100 milligrams of caffeine mm-hmm. with, um, I think it was 10 those milligrams are like of THC. Those high caffeine doses. I love I caffeine. Mean, I drink like I'm a ton addicted. of coffee. Like, I yeah. can't say anything. I have a problem. Yeah, I call it sure. I call it poor man's speedball, weed and caffeine. A lot of people have said very similar things and have called it very similar. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's a good combo. But no, I can't I can't say it's the safest because like the worst side effect of cannabis is heart arrhythmia. And if you add caffeine to that and you have heart issues, like that's not not a good idea at all. I feel like this is the four loco of our time. It is. (laughs) It one hundred percent is the four loco of this conversation and I should not advocate for it whatsoever. But um, Yeah, there's sometimes where you gotta be like, "Mm." As someone who legitimately grew up smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot of coffee. Well, and yeah, and that too. <laughs> I, I have never drank a Four loco. Good. I would not do that to my body. That's... I bet we should get both like our something tested. I don't know what, blood or something, but I bet that there's something wrong with mine compared to yours because you... I drank Four loco. Oh my God. <laughs> oh man. That stuff was, there's a not one ingredient in there that was natural. I feel like it was just like... <laughs> antifreeze like fireball you know like it's just you know fireball's got antifreeze in it right stop it does i don't drink alcohol anymore at all me either <laughs> i stopped uh ever since i started doing mushrooms mm-hmm. really al- no more alcohol it's not wow. worth it why why would i do that when i have access to mushrooms i feel you <laughs> i i actually did i tried mushrooms recently ish in life and i've never like fully fully tripped but um, I've had very nice experiences with them. Mm-hmm. I've liked it. Yeah. A lot. Um, okay. I'm like way off topic and I don't even know what time it is. Um, is there anything else that you want to share? Any uh, big news that you have? Highlights? Events coming up? Man, I, my biggest news I actually can't share. <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, podcast. Is yeah. coming back. I'm bringing it back. It's the canasi.hi podcast, okay. which is the same as my Instagram. I love it. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, I'm graduating in four months. So look out. I love that. Because I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm kind of like on the edge of entrepreneurial stuff. So, you know. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. see in like four or five months. You yeah. can come back on. Let us know what's up. That'd be cool. I might have to have you on my podcast. I as love well. that. 
I don't know. I would be asking you a lot more questions about probably anything that you're talking about. No, I have a lot of questions for you. Oh, okay, perfect. You started talking business and it was like, <laughs> for me, I was like, oh. Okay, cool. So we can both, there's things mm-hmm. that we can both, you know, knowledge mm-hmm. trade on. Yeah. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Well, that was an awesome episode of Send Us Flowers. I think that you all have a pretty good rundown now on these alternative slash what do you what do you think of the alternative I don't like that term yeah synthetic yeah they're manufactured synthetically they're not some alternative holistic medicine where did that come from that Marketing. we were like this is an alternative <laughs> <laughs> those marketers yep 100% <laughs> it sounds better it does sound it a lot sounds better it a lot better it's more approachable it is more approachable but but they aren't alternative. They're synthetic. I even was, there's some marketing that gets me. They are just as synthetic as K2 and Spice. Mm. Exactly the same. I remember when Spice was <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah. And everyone was like, ah, like that was an ordeal. Mm-hmm. I remember my mom lecturing me and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, there's this thing and it's called Spice. And I was like, Yep. Sugar and everything nice. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, now I do. And looking back, I'm like, oh my God, like this is low-key kind of a similar situation. It is. Gas station, smoke shops once again. Yeah. Same place, different time. And okay, there's this whole thing in the media because they are not cannabis literate at all. Mm-hmm. And they talk about like, oh, this kid got really sick because they ate their parents' gummies or yep. THC gummies or whatever. Yeah. And then you look up what it actually is and it's some weird mystery bullshit. Yeah. Cause a lot so a lot of these synthetics, they add more to the carbon chain basically they make it more accessible to the receptor and therefore it increases the potency like tenfold or even sometimes a hundredfold that was the case with spice and k2 was it was like a hundredfold the potency of a regular cannabinoid or what we're used to in plants so that's the case with these too is they're they're making them more potent as well some of them some of them don't have any proven like binding studies at all we do have some toxicology studies of delta 8 on humans we have started that but like a lot of these things are really under-researched, so we really don't know how they're going to affect us, too. Yeah. Wow. That's so wild. Okay. Sorry. I, I really could talk about this all day. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely check out Alex's, Alex's page. Um, all of her information is incredible. It's why I asked her to come on today and talk about this. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, and just seeing it become more and more popular, I'm like, hey, okay, we need to like take a step back. Think about what we're doing here maybe a little bit and what we're like inhaling and consuming and putting in our bodies. And hopefully you can take this information and make just like more educated decisions around, you know, your own habits. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put that. Yeah. I try not to be judgy because I do understand like if you're like if I was 19 and back in Maryland and um, some person was like, oh, you can, this is just like weed. I'd probably be like, cool. Yeah. It's just like weed. Yeah. But it's not. And so, I don't know. You do you, but. That's why we should keep it out of the hands of kids. And yes. that's the real issue oh we're having God. right now is if it's available in gas stations and kids can. Literally, but like, I see this stuff, like, in a gas station. It's right there. It's crazy. 
So yes, you know, let's let's work to make just more educated decisions and work to think more about what is going into our bodies. And I, I think that's a good way to go about it. But thank you all for being uh, here and <laughs> joining us for this awesome sesh and watching another episode of Send Us Flowers. I'm sending you all flowers today and I'll see you all next week.